follow-up question of um, how can we put that into practice? How, how should that shape us going forward? We're sort of doing some retrospective looking back, but we also want to think toward the future. How do we begin to apply the things that we're discerning about God at work in Matt's life and Matt's experience uh, to our own experiences, to our shared life as community, as fellowship? Um, for those who maybe come from a history where, you know, well, where's the book, chapter, and verse for this? The admonition I would give you is to explore uh, Ephesians and Romans, especially in the latter half of each of those two letters. Paul has this imagery of the body of Christ, and then he has these admonitions uh, that come out with the phrase, one another, encourage one another, love one another, build one another, edify, uh, admonish. Uh, we have to know one another typically to be able to do those well. And so with Megan and Kate and last week, uh, we, this week we're hearing some of our stories as individuals on this journey of, of walking as disciples of Jesus. So, Matt? All right. I'm going to set a timer here, too, so I don't go too long. All right. Um, well, and uh, when John had asked me to do this, I was like, yeah, sure. And then as the time got closer, of course, you get more and more nervous with that kind of stuff. Excuse me, guys in the booth. Could you take Matt out of the, oh, the monitors? Uh, monitors. Yeah, wipe number four out of monitors. I'm on four right now. I'm on four. Do, 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 do. Still in the monitors. <laughs> I'm used to it from being up here. <laughs> I can go as long as I mean, as long as you hear me, I guess it's all right. Anyways, you get a little bit nervous doing this stuff until you start thinking, all right, this isn't my story. This is God's story working through my life. And so just get out of the way, tell the facts. And then I've got the ways that I've seen God at work in my life, but I'm very interested to hear what my brothers and sisters have to say, what they see. So I grew up in the church. Um, I'll just start there. I mean, my whole life has been um, in the church. My dad's been a pastor at the same congregation for 50 years, actually, as of this year. Um, so probably familiar to a lot of you that grew up in the church, um, spent a lot of time on Sundays, Wednesdays, and Sunday nights, and time in youth group, um, had a good good group of friends uh, leading through that. Um, about the time you get to where you can drive your own car and get out on your own, I started making a new group of friends, um, and these were friends that did things a little bit differently than my church friends, not in, a, in a, a bad way or anything, but they were all came from Christian families. We spent a lot of time outdoors. That was kind of our connection, camping on this one friend's property, spending a lot of time discussing the things of the world that, you know, sometimes youths do uh, late into the night. Um, but I had these group of four close friends uh, through high school um, that 
were very influential and shaped my life in ways that I probably don't even fully understand at this point. Um, after we graduated, uh, they all went off to college and other places that were not near where I was going to be. So, of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, what, what am I going to do now? Because I was going to go to the local community college. My close group of friends I had was gone. Um, and you feel a little bit lost at that point. Well, at that point, I kind of glommed on to a group of friends that I'd tentatively had in high school, connected through a uh, band. Um, and it turned out then for the next maybe three years after high school, I had a kind of a new group of friends, kind of a second close group of friends um, that sort of had a nucleus of music and hanging out. Um, that was sort of what kind of glued everybody together. We all got together at one friend's house. I mean, we just walked in and ate his parents' food. I, to this day, still don't understand how they put up with it. I don't know how they tolerated it. But it's, I mean, I just was talking with one, actually one of those friends not long ago about that. And we're just like, surely at some point they were like, this has got to stop. But they never, they never hinted uh, that we were a burden to them. Um, so we had, you know, again, and, and most of these friends in this environment came from Christian homes as well, um, including the people who owned the house and lived there. Um, that's probably the only way they could put up with enduring a bunch of teenagers, young adults eating everything in their home. Um, but that went on for mm, maybe two or three years. And then again, I found myself in a position where everybody was kind of going off and doing other things. And I'm thinking, well, well, now what do I do? Because I mean, I'd, I'd gone to community college. I didn't really connect with anybody there because I had my friends over here. Um, around 99 then is when I ended up going to my, you know, my four-year school for my last two years. Um, so at that point, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have my close group of friends. I was at this school an hour away that I didn't really know anybody, wasn't interested in knowing anybody. And so from like 99 to 2001, I kind of wrote a rough outline. I just said the low years is what I put there. Um, you know, if, if I had a prodigal period, that would have been it. Um, I mean, nothing like earth shaking, I guess, but it was, it was not a time of seeking the Lord and seeking, you know, his kingdom and things like that. It was like, how do I get through this? Um, in that spot, I actually forged a, a friendship, uh, that I hadn't had before, um, with a buddy that came from that same second group of friends. Um, and we're, you know, still friends to this day, but we kind of, I think we're both in a low spot and kind of lean on each other during those couple of years. So then, let me fast forward, getting through those low years. I graduated from college, uh, thought I was going to do music when I first went to college, very quickly realized, like, that is not a career path that I want to I pursue. Uh, shifted gears, just got a degree, got out the door. Don't know how I got out the door, but I got out the door. And so now, again, I find myself in this position of, well, now what? Now what am I going to do? Um, so like a lot of people, I moved back home for a short period of time. And um, you know, luckily my dad is one who can probably see where I'm floundering and would say, why don't you do this? Why don't you try this? So he got me to do some substitute teaching, which I hated. It was terrible. I would never do it again. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. How you teachers do it day in and day out, I have no idea. It was miserable. Um, but did that for a short period of time. I mean like half a semester or whatever. Um, so again, it's, it's just sort of this pattern of find a group, it dissolves, flounder, find the next group, it dissolves, flounder. And so at the end of this, kind of this, the low years, 
um, right around the end of 2001, I got a call from my friend Eric, who was in the second group. He's the one whose parents let us have full run of their house. He had come down to Tennessee and gone to MTSU. Um, and I had visited him off and on for the four years he was at school. Uh, got to know kind of his circle of friends. And so when he called me in 2001 and said, hey, there's a place right behind mine that somebody needs to sublet. Why don't you come down for six months uh, and hang out? And I'm like, that sounds great. Like this is, here's my, here's my escape hatch out of whatever I'm doing now, living at home and substitute teaching. Here's a way out. So I ended up moving down there in 2002. Again, I was still described, this is the tail end of the, the low years. Like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, I don't have any idea. I have a degree. I don't have any direction as to what I want to do. Um, so I come down here, get an apartment, get a little job. Um, luckily, this now I would call it the third friend group I have um, is a group of kind of more maturing Christians, which included Selena at that time. Um, and some others that we're still close friends with. And it wasn't long before I started to realize that there were, like, Selena and I had a conversation once. Like we had met, but had never really been, we'd never connected. We weren't really, I don't know, we had different interests. One day in 2002, after I'd moved down recently, we just, she was going to Walmart for some reason and just announced, because again, we were hanging out at my friend Eric's house, whose house we hung out in in high school, because that's how we did. And she just said, does anybody want to go to Walmart with me? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll go to Walmart, which I guess surprised her because um, she thought I was a jerk. I don't know why, but she just had this impression that I was a jerk. So we get in the car, and we have this conversation, and it was about divorce and how that must be awful and terrible and how you'd never want to have to go through anything like that. And just kind of like that, the light sort of went on thinking, there's more to this person than, than I realized at first. Um, and so six months in Tennessee turned into you know, 20, what is it, 21 years now that I've been here? Um, you know, and the first, uh, you know, if I'm going by my time frame here, after we got married and had that third friend group, everything was pretty pretty good, pretty copacetic for several years until people started having kids, and we think, we want to start having kids. Well, some of you may know this part of the story, but that did not happen immediately. There was a lot of uh, assumption that you just, you know, once you have family, you go have kids, and that's that. Well, that's not what happened. Um, and there was, again, I would call it another low period, um, where, you know, Selena had gotten pregnant, but the, the baby didn't survive, it was an ectopic pregnancy, and we tried medical interventions and all kinds of other things that just, thing after thing, kept failing, kept failing, um, and finally, you kind of get to the end of that rope where you just sort of are like, well, I guess this is it, you know what? I'm fine with this. I don't, I don't even want kids. This is good. And then, sure enough, like out of out of the blue, we find yes, Josie's pointing to herself. We find out. I mean, you know, yeah, we were involved, obviously, but not. I mean, but like, God miraculously made this child, um, and so we went from there. You know, from a place of just being really low to. Um, I mean, just gratitude. I don't know how else to describe it. You just, you've done everything you can do. It all fails. And then God kind of stepped in. Um, and then we go from there to um, another miracle and surprise. Ten minutes. Um, I'll, I'll finish. With Will. So, again, we had one child. 
the deck was stacked against us, and then out of the blue, miracle number two shows up. We weren't, I mean, we figured we had one kid, and that was that. Um, thank the Lord, that's, you know, we won't worry about anything else. And then, lo and behold, <laughs> we get Will comes along. Um, you know, and things were, were, were great. We'd figured out a way to live on my salary at Allstate. We got two kids. We were doing what we wanted to do with, with homeschooling the kids, keeping the, the family intact and spending time together. Um, and then kind of let me get to where the end of the story here. So like at, in 2020, we found out at Allstate that they were going to be making layoffs. Um, and I ended up getting chopped out of there. And I'm, you know, I'm a person that, it's kind of like once I get into something, I'm just there, and I'm gonna stay there until it's it's gone. Like I don't think I've ever, I don't know if I've ever quit a job um, as much as a job has left me. Like when I, the one time I served tables, the restaurant closed before I quit, even though I hated that job. Um, but this one was kind of, you know, I'd been at the company 16 years, hadn't gone kind of the normal trajectory, worked way up to a certain point, and then you just out the door, and I'm like what does this mean? Like, I don't even know if I put it in those terms. It was just sort of like a blank stare in my, my, my mind. It's just like, I guess that's over. I guess I'll do something else. Um, and so it's kind of like a third little low period there between 2020 and eventually I got back with Allstate. Um, but there was a lot of uh, interesting dynamics in the household where Selena and I were discussing things and I quickly realized that we did not agree and see eye to eye on how I was perceiving this time um, which again, after being married nearly 20 years, this was kind of probably the first time where I did not necessarily feel like I could just rely on her solely for advice and input. Um, and it's not a knock against her. It's just, just a different place. And I was like, oh, this is new. This is very new in 20 years of marriage. Well, how do we navigate this? Um, but we did. And now it's kind of maybe on the tail end of that third low period. And I don't know where things go from here. Uh, so I think those are most of the facts as I see them. Um, like I said, I've got my ideas about where God's grace uh, showed itself. Um, but again, to me, it's more, I could call it my story, but if I had written the story, it would have ended much poorer. <laughs> it would have ended badly. I always joke about Selena. I was like, if I hadn't met you, I'd just probably be in a ditch somewhere. Um, which, you know, maybe, maybe not, but I mean, I wasn't on a good trajectory when I met her. Let's just put it that way. Um, so I will end there, and I cannot wait to hear what other people have to say. Around your tables, let's take about 10 minutes, and I'll set a timer. Where are evidences of God's grace in Matt's story? And... Think a little bit. You don't have to start talking about it just yet. Where do we go from here with the with these insights into God's grace? Okay, be sure you have someone designated at your table as the reporter because we do want to hear from each table.
One suggestion I'm going to make is whoever the reporter is, let's hold it to two observations so we, we can get around and you don't have somebody who just covers it all, okay? This table here will start. Well, I think we had some really great brain power over here. Um, I think we uh, talked a little bit about foundation, and um, we had pointed out that your friend groups kind of throughout, you talked about friend group one and friend group two and so on, and then eventually the one Selena was in, and how God placed you in pockets of people that helped you through life. And those people reached out to you and were like, hey, come to Tennessee. And um, how God's mercy is not always in, like, God, his, <laughs> um, we don't always find God in a church setting. Sometimes it's everywhere else because he is everywhere. So that friend who wasn't in your church setting friend group that reached out to you was a part of God's call for you to come out. And um, Bruce had mentioned that your just attitude through not knowing what the next step was with your job was like unbelievable because you kind of just, well, I trust whatever's going to happen. I know this much, and I can get this far, and <laughs> I'm sure there's more depth to that, but um, just your ability to trust on that was super cool. Okay, so I'll follow my notes here. So the first thing, of course, uh, as Anna said, the foundation. You definitely had the, the foundation for God to be in your life and to experience grace. But to have so many sets of friends, I, uh, I think about stages in my life, and I think, yeah, there's different groups of friends, but I don't think I've ever had as many close friends as different groups that you've had. I think that is truly a, a sign of grace that was given to you. And through your stages of life and, and to what you want to do with life, what you want to do with your education. Uh, we think uh, Selena was mentioned, and we're wondering about how much coincidence was for the trip to Walmart. So <laughs> we're, we're just going to put God's providence right there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for work, uh, being established, and I can relate to this working in the same uh, for the same company for 42 years. You know, once you get established, I, th I think that is uh, a sign that that God is is providing for you, and you're satisfied in your work, which He teaches us to do. But when that's taken away from you, that really takes away part of your identity. To so when you when you and. I'm kind of looking at a, an outside view of this since we were here with you through all that. And, and I know that God's grace was with you and his provision was with you through all that time. And, of course, uh, when you talk about your children, uh, we remember that time also and how much grace, how much faith that you and Selena had. And we just know that God's hand was in all of that. And Holly made a good comment. It was sometimes you just have to relax 
and put it in God's will. So, agree. Easier said than done, though. I'll tell you that. This this group was curious. What was your degree in, Matt? Well, it okay. So it started out. <laughs> I've got two degrees: an associate's degree hmm, and a bachelor's degree. No, it's, I started out doing the music thing at Greenville College for a year, and then I had to pivot because I knew that wasn't the way to go, and I ended up getting it in religion and philosophy because that was kind of interesting and I had enough credits to get it done within the, the time frame that I was going to be there. So, so we noted uh, that, that something was created out of periods of uncertainty and oftentimes a character is, is built from, from challenges. And so we identified that, that loyalty was built out of that uncertainty. And the experiences you went through have impacted you as a father and as a husband. And then also with the job change, you and, and other changes, we, you consistently saw God's faithfulness at work in your life. And you, you are emulating that, uh, that we see faithfulness then from you. Uh, faithfulness to your family, faithfulness to this church, for example, uh, are two evidences that we saw. Our table noticed, um, we all kind of agreed, that your story is the story of a normal person. Not to say your story is boring, but there wasn't this just like extreme 180 change in your life and I think it's helpful to hear testimonies of people who don't have just these crazy events because those are the stories of most people. I would say most people in here probably didn't have this crazy story where your life completely changed. And there's a lot of people here who've known Christ their whole life. And it's nice to hear someone whose life is like everyone else's and you can see God's grace in that because God does care about the tiny aspects of our life um I know at one point I found it hard to believe that God cared about me personally when there were things like disease and famine and poverty but he does care if I have a good day or not he cares if the traffic's bad he cares about my children my spouse those sorts of things and you can see that in your story he cared about where you ended up who your wife was going to be whether you had children or not whether you had friends and he cared about those things along your story i will be speaking for the youth table um we saw similar things that everyone else said <laughs> You're welcome. There was a vote, and I was not voted as a leader, but I took the mic anyway. Um, so we noticed the, the, I think you called it like you just stay with things, but like we would call that faithfulness, which is something God shows us and that you show in your aspects of your life, and also that God gave you those good friends, and I think that's been echoed in Megan's story and also in Kate's story just about God acting through people's friendships. And then we also notice that um, we are going to feel very free to come to your house and eat all your food um, anytime that we would like. So expect us to show up.
Um, we noticed in God, so you called it an escape hatch um, when you, I think that's what you called it, when you came down to Tennessee, um, that you were feeling directionless and you didn't like what you were doing at the time. So deciding to come down and, and take the sublet in, in Tennessee was kind of an escape hatch for you. And so in the moment, it felt like you were just sort of following a, excuse me, a path of being directionless. Um, but with that 30,000 foot view and the gift of time, it feels like it feels obvious that that's Providence. was God's yeah God's leading um, to bring you down to Tennessee. So we saw that one. Um, Uh, I thought it was coming from an extrovert. It doesn't surprise me that God gave you that many friends because I love to talk and I also have a lot of friends. But th praise God that I do. But um, but I think it was God's grace to give you friends that were not going to that your spirit yearned for and that your flesh wasn't. Um, necessarily attracted to god god gave you favor in in giving you those those friends that were going to help you in life and not um not put you in wrong situations and and mess up that traje trajectory so i think that's really important because one a couple of friends could really mess up a lot you know, and and God didn't let that happen, so that's awesome. All right, so we did mention several things other people had mentioned as well. Um, Greg pointed out something interesting was that he noted that the way Matt told his story was community-driven, was your movement from one community to another. He found that really interesting. Um, and David also pointed out that he's really enjoyed amongst all three stories that there has been a common theme of an instrumental person appearing at the right moment to help each person, whether that was your friend who gave you the place to land in Tennessee or Selena or your unnamed party in your third low point that you mentioned. Um, it was also pointed out that your father kind of giving you the space to come home and then providing you some options to think through things was a moment of grace, even though it was kind of like pushing you, why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? It's an interesting moment there. Um, yeah, I'm going to stop with those. One piece from knowing Matt and interacting with him for the last 20 or so years that hasn't been touched on that he mentioned just briefly is music has been a critical part of God's thread through his life. Uh, I remember doing premarital counseling for these two, and Matt shocked me. I knew the fellowship that he grew up in used instrumental music, and there were some folks here at Stones River 20 years ago even who were raising that as a possibility, and 
I mentioned it because of Matt's involvement with praise team and the choir at that point. And I was shocked. He said, no, no, don't do it. That was, that was not what I was expecting. He said, musicians can be such divas. <laughs> it's a real blessing you don't have to deal with those personalities. And that, that just always stuck with me as this odd comment, um, but music. Um, I want you to, to take a couple or three minutes around your tables to think about what can we discern for ourselves for the future from God's working in Matt's story? What are some key things for us to look for, uh, to pray for, to lean into for the future out of, out of Matt's story? This is from Georgia. Um, <laughs> it was good. Um, that we'll remain hopeful that God stays faithful because his promise is true. He'll bring us what we need when he knows we need it. Someone else? David. I'll throw two out quickly. Uh, number one, uh, when you talked about your friend family that everyone was welcome at, that, that is the way we need to lead, of our, lead our lives, to have our, our homes and our lives be open and welcome to others. Uh, number two is uh, the fact that all of this, you, you are a great servant. You are a great servant to God and to others. So that's very important for us. Uh, there, there were three really good ones that, that I thought came away. One is that God's faithfulness is always there, even when we can't see it, so that it's, it's up to us to continue to look for it and trust it. Uh, and Andrew pointed out that uh, it's also true that God is going to be using you to be some of that direction pointing, that you might be the one who needs to invite someone to Walmart to say the one thing that changes a life. Uh, and that ultimately that we often don't really have a sense of where we're going, where our lives are going, or what we're here for, and we don't have a direction, but that God does have one if we would simply keep listening and looking until we recognize where God is taking us. Have extra food on hand for hungry teenagers. <laughs> Create a welcome space for your community, such as in your home, and with that food. Realize that we don't hold the weight of the world ourselves, seeking the positive like he did. Okay, to that, be cognizant that more, be, more may be going on under the surface of others you talk to. Uh, don't miss what's going on under the surface during tough times. And have a smaller community to support each other in tough times or at any time.
So I, I think there's um, an increasing, or I hear a lot about <clears throat> us feeling like we have to have these moments where it's like God has called us to do, like, where's my calling? I don't know what I'm called to do, and what's my identity? And it's all wrapped up in all these things. And what I love is that you just showed your faithfulness to God, right? Like, you didn't have a moment where God struck you down and said, be a servant, you just knew that Jesus was a servant. And so why I think we need to discern and seek and hear God's voice and what he's desiring us to do, there's also just the plain faithfulness to what he's already, as John has shared, King has shared with me, what has he already told you to be faithful to? How can we remain faithful? Um, and I think that that's probably pretty important for us as we continue moving forward. Anyone else? One that I shared with, with Matt. Uh, for a long while now, David and Trudy have been our standard go-to-eat-lunch-with on Sundays. And with their decision, we certainly understand it, uh, to worship in McMinnville. We won't be doing that so often. And the thing that I heard out of Matt's story is be open to new friends uh, especially as a strong introvert, I can get by on one or two really good friends. And uh, yet God can use new friends for his purposes in our lives. Don't, don't get too set that you won't listen, you won't be aware, won't look for new connections that he may be providing uh, to us. Um, great job discerning. Matt was really excited and he's took, taken some notes. He said, I, I know the things I would point to as God at work. I'm really interested in hearing what do other people hear from my story. And one that he shared with me is how much his sense of identity had gotten connected to his work and not really being aware of that until the job was discontinued. And he spent that season of looking. There, there's a little providential story in that that most of you may know, but some of you may not. Um, he lost his job. They gave him a severance package. And if he came back within a certain time, it would have to be paid back because it was money to help him live on until he got his next job. But if he stayed away too long, he would have to go back in as though he was a brand new hire with no time with the company. There was a little small window, and that's exactly when he was able to go back. So he got to keep all the severance and keep all of his longevity with the, uh, the company. God's provision in just that narrow little sliver of time uh, is a piece of his providence that I want everyone to, to be aware of. Uh, God's work is bigger and it's better. And he's clear when we're not. Um, do we have any announcements?
It's time for that. Prayer request.